0: Welcome, everyone. Let's go ahead and get started. Lord, thank you for um, for this day, for this time, for your word, for our church, uh, for, uh, uh, for the gift of faith, um, which is living and active, and which, uh, though it comes to us and justifies us, alone is never alone, that um, it has hands and, and, and feet and a life unto itself. Um, Lord, now open that word to us uh, and come uh, and speak. We pray all this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Come on in. Good morning. Um, So welcome. Good to see everybody. Uh, uh, D. Franklin here to my right is our stewardship chairman this year. Um, He and I are listed on this uh, on this class together. This isn't a stewardship talk per se, but it's not not a stewardship talk per se. Um, Steward—it's uh, a biblical word. It's a word that we also use outside of the Bible, just the idea of of, uh, of one who takes care of the possessions of another. And so, you, sort of in the old traditions, the old European, you'd see the steward of a house or something else like that, who would be the caretaker of of his master's belongings—the the garden. The, I looked at Kelly and I said, "Garden." Um, uh, the garden, the the, the the home, the finances, and all that. Or we might use it just in terms of uh, a little bit more familiar language uh, in, in, in 21st century church parlance, stewardship. Um, how we care for another's possessions, well, that's interesting. How we are given, um, human beings, creatures of the Creator, are given to care for the Creator's possessions. Um, As he gives all things um, our time, our money, our talents, the three things that we really sort of invest and steward and care. um, They're placed in our, uh, to to care for those items that we can spend, that we can waste. We waste time, we invest money, we spend uh, time, we spend money. You know, these things, these currencies in our life that we're called to be stewards of. that's the broad vein that we're in here today. Um, I can't remember exactly what the class is titled. Um, our, is this right? Our faith has heart and gives. How faith works itself out in love. So here's the background. Um, the sort of the prevailing scripture for the last two weeks, and now this is the third, is this word from Galatians 5:6. Um, for now, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, I'm sorry, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. This is at the end of Paul's letter to the Galatians, where um, he sort of has that thunderous, in the context of the letter, um, introduction. In 5.1, it is for freedom, therefore, that Christ has set you free. And so now we have this, this, uh, this word which is saying, so now as you go into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit, the last word that we have often, In our liturgy, as we go into the world, into our calling, into that which we're called to do, the works of love, to do um, the things which our heart has now been set aflame to do, uh, as we do that, we do that now not under compulsion, but freely. For it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And so he's very redundant to make sure that we get the point. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And he goes on in a few verses and comes out with this in 5.6. So neither now circumcision nor uncircumcision. So in other words, works, the things that we do, the things that we might do that set us apart. These things count for nothing. Count for nothing in what way? Count for nothing in terms of God's relationship to us. Big fancy word, which we talk about here a lot, Justification. Um, circumcision nor uncircumcision count for nothing in terms of the way that God relates to us as the sinning human, as the creature. That's the context. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's his act. Christ has unlocked the cell. Christ has declared us not guilty. Christ has worded us, uh, because the word creates the very thing which it speaks. Let there be light. Lazarus, get up. Um, Little girl, arise. Uh, Gil, be free. You are not guilty. And the very thing which God speaks happens. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, now, nothing that we do or don't do changes our relationship to God. Um, Neither circumcision, which was the mark of the promise way back in Abraham and all that, uh, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision circumcision counts for anything only faith expressing itself in love this living and active faith as Paul would say again this is all introduction by the way um, would say faith which is a gift so that no man may boast that comes straight out of Ephesians this gift of faith this thing which when God speaks that's the thing which happens in us this kernel, as it were, of faith, which goes in as a seed, uh, which, which plants in our heart, and which now begins to grow. As a seed falls into the ground, uh, so first it must die before there can be fruit, paraphrase of what John says. And as you don't see, when a seed goes into the ground, you may not see anything for a while until it sprouts up, but something's going on inside the kernel, inside the seed, So, faith. Faith is planted in us um, by the Word of God and begins to take effect. Things begin to happen. And so, as I mentioned earlier, I spent time this last week, the privilege of spending time in England, our forebears in, in our tradition, the Anglican tradition, as it's called. We're very fond of saying that faith, although we are justified by faith alone, faith itself is never alone. In other words, when faith... Happens When faith comes, when faith grows like a seed beneath the soil, it never stays alone. Faith isn't the only thing which is in us. Faith produces the work. And now we find things begin to happen. It is a living faith. Faith which is expressing itself in love. This is the summary of the works of God. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart soul and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Faith is the thing. Faith is the thing and that's what we're going to sort of put in tension the whole time uh, today. Faith is the thing which produces the very thing which the law requires um, so that's the intro Does that make sense? you've heard me you've heard me say that. Several times, I hope, in the past, in several different ways, but just to to bring us into this word from Galatians, and then we're going to move to a a word out of a, out of First Timothy. But any thoughts so far? That's just sort of the beginning. Um, questions? Kind of faith 101. Um, doesn't mean it's easy, but fundamental to be sure. Let me read this then, out of a out of First Timothy. Um, Paul wrote a letter. Um, uh, in fact, this is what Osvaldo Padilla is teaching just across the way today, I think, or at least somewhere in this. He wrote um, what are called the Pastoral Epistles, um, some instructions to individuals, uh, one of whom was Timothy, um, with something like a mentor-mentee relationship, where Paul was was, uh, was writing to the younger Timothy, who was known to him through a family relationship. He talks about Timothy's grandmother, etc., and so forth. It's a real personal relationship. It's very evident when you read the two letters to Timothy. And this is the very end of 1 Timothy 6. And so that's the very slight context. Uh, Here, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you in a minute. Um, uh, We're going to talk about uh, the the high degree of activity, which the word here is is describing. We're going to see a lot of verbs like... uh, uh, set your hopes, do good, be rich in good works, be generous, be ready to share, take hold of that which is truly life, guard the deposit, avoid the irreverent. So you're going to have a lot of verbs, very active. You're going to hear that. We're going to put that intention, tension, which uh, we're also going to hear in terms of the promise of God. Um, great phrase that I've been running into a lot in my uh, times this summer, my readings and some other stuff, um, that... Uh, the business of the church is to put the promises of god in front of the sinner i really like that as a pastor as a teacher i really like this idea it's the business it's my business as a teacher as a preacher as the one who's here given to stand to put the promises of god right in front of each one of us the promises of god and so we're going to hear that here in this letter of 1 Timothy. We're going to say, well, how do we make sense of that with now, not the promises of God, but now these these uh, uh, very active statements, which are sometimes called the perenesis. if you want a big word. Um, uh, that just means these moral exhortations. Do this, don't do that in Paul. Um, uh, we're going to talk about that. That's all I want to talk about today. All this, again, this isn't a stewardship talk, but it's not not a stewardship talk. What do we do? With our time? What do we do with our money? What do we do with our talent? How do we invest it? What do we do with it? So that's all what this is. So here's the end of 1 Timothy. Turn your phones on and let the glowing word of God reflect in your face if you want. So 1 Timothy 6, verses 13 following. But as for you, O man of God... So he's writing to Timothy. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things... Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, here comes the promise, who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession." To keep the commandment assigned i so, I'm sorry, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time, he who is blessed and truly sovereign, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he's quoting Handel there, um, who alone has immortality, who dwells in an pro- unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. And that's how it ends. So it's a moving passage to me. Um, It's a a passage where obviously within a relationship, a very close relationship, one that goes back through even Timothy's forebears. Um, uh, it's 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 a letter written of endearment from Paul to Timothy breaking it out a little bit, um, this contrast, but as for you, obviously, something he said before, which I'm not going to talk about, he's contrasting these people, Um, this is right, at least I will talk about it a little bit, right before this is where Paul says the often misunderstood and misquoted part of the Bible, he says, for the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, not money itself, but the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, and he puts that in the context of control. The love of money brings this idea, this illusory idea, that we're in control. That I'm going to stave out, um, uh, through some measure of, of control, self-control, uh, protection for the future. And he's saying, don't be duped. God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, is the one who has our future in our hands. Not wampum. Not money. Not um uh, not my 401k. Let's not to say it's bad, but just like let's just be clear as to what's what. Um, and so that's the context where he's saying all that, and now he's saying, "But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called and about which the good confession in the presence of many witnesses." So this activity of fight the good fight um take hold uh of of the 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 things which are in front of you do these things pursue righteousness godliness, faith love steadfastness gentleness it's this activity couched in these ideas of the promise the promise of uh uh and it's almost what the where where our wedding liturgy gets this Uh, i charge you in the presence of god that's comes straight out in our wedding um And so, therefore, I charge you in the presence of God and all here assembled. That's in the wedding liturgy that most of us got married to. Coming straight out of 1 Timothy, I charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God, who gives life to all things. He can't help but say that. When he speaks of God, there's always a comma. Who gives life to all things, comma. And of Christ Jesus. So, I charge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, comma, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. Um, And now he just keeps going with this promise which He will display at the proper time. Um, He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now we're soaking in who God is, Uh, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. That echo out of John 1, the prologue to the Gospel of John, that says no one has ever seen God, but Jesus Christ, the righteous one, Jesus Christ, the one and the only, He alone has made God known. Paul and John are very much in concert here, uh, who, who, who dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see. to him be the honor and glory of eternal dominion. So here's the tension. these words of about God, which is going to describe the promise that God makes to us with this very active uh, word of give your money away the promises of God, the one who dwells in unapproachable light to make a promise to yourself in six months' time, in 12 months' time, that the Lord will continue to provide in the way that he always has, that he'll still be there in six months. And then I'm going to open my checkbook and give money away. That I'm going to open my calendar, which in some ways is harder for me to open than my checkbook, and say I'll be there and available to see or to meet with you, or to go and, uh, and spend the night at the firehouse shelter and do something. Um, I'm going to make that promise that the one who is the king of the kings and the lord of lords, who dwells in unapproachable light, who is the author and the giver of all things, is going to continue in the way that he always has and to continue to provide. Because a pledge is a promise. The promises of God are the pledge of God. So let's talk about the promises and what this all is. Um, to hear these, uh, these words. Um, well, before that, um, hear these words as, as well. Think about money. Let's just do talk about sort of money for a little while. Um, we hear these, these phrases before. This comes out of 1 Chronicles. It's the only verse really out of 1 Chronicles that I know. All things come from you, and of your own have we given you. you know, that's just worth thinking about. Exactly what we're saying when we say the words at the offering about once a month, or once every three weeks. All things come from you, God. Because we're told, just like Paul just did, um, when he says, God, comma, who gives all things, comma. Really? Is that what we're saying? Is that really his promise to us, that he gives us all things? Our time, our money, our talents, our very breath, our life. Our heart beats because he continues to put his hand inside our chest, so to speak, and squeeze. I made that image at a talk at the, uh, at a, at, for a mission group not too long ago. That he gives all things, our very life um, is sustained by the word of God. Um, that man does not live by bread alone, but on the very words of God, like in Matthew. Really? Do we believe all things come from God um, and of our own? Of his own? Do we give back to him? Is that what we're doing? We put money in the plate or make a a bank draft or whatever. God gave me this and I'm just giving him back, you know, 10%. And I get to keep 90 if you're going by the tithe or whatever else. Is that the promise? Um, Or this one out of Mark 10. You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. So come, follow me. Or this one out of 2 Corinthians. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Well, on my best day, I wouldn't say I'm a cheerful giver. Um, so there's tension. Um, or, as we just heard in First Timothy, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. This should be a confrontation a little bit. But as for us, who are given much, by any comparison in history, uh, uh, don't set your hope on riches which we've been given, uh, but on God who richly provides. Play on words. Us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share. Thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of uh, of that which is truly life. So again, nomenclature, language, um, clarification. Uh, a pledge is a promise. Um, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I promise allegiance to the flag that should I be called upon, um, I will be loyal and faithful to this country. That's what we're saying from an early age. I pledge my loyalty and fidelity to you, May May. You know, that's my pledge. That's the vow that we who were married made. It's a promise to be loving, to be faithful, to be present one year, ten years, fifty years in the future. As Tim Keller once said, you know, that's got to be the stupidest thing we ever said. We're 22 years old or whatever. And we're saying, yeah, 50 years, what's the big deal? I'll be there. Unless the giver of all good things is actually there with this thing called faith bringing it into effect. This promise to be somewhere in the future. Five minutes, 25 years or whatever. when I can't make a promise to be a good boy in my car when I drive home. To that moron who's going too slow. And that idiot who's plainly going too fast. Because I get to decide how we're all going to drive today. Um, And so these words should confront us. These ideas of pledging and promises. Um, A pledge to the church is a promise that I will be present at some point in the future. Um, A pledge to uh, uh, our colleges. A pledge to um, our children. That I'm going to bring you into this world. And I'm going to be present now to you in a real and tangible way as by the grace of God, the last word from Paul to Timothy, grace be with you um, uh, that I'm going to be available to you um, and provide through God. And God is going to provide through me better because the children aren't ours. They're God's and we're the stewards uh, that somehow broken vessel that I am. This is typically where I start to cry. <laughs> um, Broken vessel that I am, that somehow God is going to provide for my children. That's a pledge. That's a promise. That's God's promise to us. It's a massive thing if you let that soak in. So go back. All these words about all things come from thee or go and sell all you have and give it to the poor. How do we make sense of those words, which aren't really promises? They're these commands to do with the promises of God. If you're tracking in your head, like I am even now as I'm teaching, um, these words don't describe me, typically, maybe sometimes. But this, like, you know, for God loves a cheerful giver. Well, you know, that's not usually to say, oh, good, here's $100, you know, happy to give it away. Um, uh, on occasion, that may actually happen, but often it doesn't. So how do we make sense of that? Well, hear these words. Um, here hear these words of promise. Um, I went to Exodus this morning just because it's really easy there in Exodus. This is when the Ten Commandments come down, and God is speaking. and He's all over the place talking, and He's very active. And there's just promise after promise after promise. What am I talking about when I say promise? Words like this. Um, this is right, Exodus 20 is where we find the Ten Commandments, which we know are all the thou shalt nots, and thou shalt nots, and thou shalt nots, and thou shalt nots. Uh, But right before that is a huge promise, and most of us miss it. What's the promise in Exodus 20, verse 2? I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. That's a promise. I am the Lord your God. And to get really technical, this is a big deal. It's from the first person to the second person. It's from the first person... To the second person familiar if you remember all your whatever your language is Uh, i am the lord your god the promise comes to you this isn't to they this isn't to we this isn't to those people it is a promise spoken from god to you to you to you to you and to me to each of us individually i am the lord your god It is the business of the church to get God's promises in front of sinners. More than that, it is business to get God's promise to you until the Lord comes and reckons you in the second person familiar. You, 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 you. Uh, We don't yet have the promise of God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I will take you to be my people And I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. He says that probably four or five times in this part of Exodus. Or again, I am the Lord your healer. We could go on in Exodus. He has all these phrases. Or going into the New Testament, what are the other promises that we hear from God? For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick... I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So now we're getting very specific. Uh, one of the best and most clear expressions of this in Romans 5, verse 8. But God but God shows his love for us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for you. The saying is trustworthy and for, worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. So says um, Paul again in Timothy. So, all this reckoning of hearing the tension of the law of God. Um, uh, give. Sell all you have. Follow Him. Give of your time, your money, and talents. Give. Do. Be. Be light. Be salt. Do all these things. Don't do all these other things. Contrasted with the promise. How does this play out? Hear these words. Give. God loves sinners. Give. Time, money, and talents. God loves sinners. Be this. God loves sinners. Don't be that. God loves sinners. Be generous. Be patient. As much as you are able, live at peace with one another. God loves sinners. Sell all you have, for this is the one thing you lack. Give it away, and then come and follow me. And the rich young ruler went away sad, for this was a hard word. God loves sinners sinners these are the two words that God has for each one of us for you in the first in the second person familiar do all this God loves sinners we hang ourselves on the promise remember this isn't a word about stewardship but it's a word about stewardship how we what we do as stewards of that which is not ours but we've been given charge of our time our money and our talents do this I can't. God loves sinners. Um, give it away, but I hoard. God loves sinners. Um, keep that tension here. Uh, I think what we find... Um, yeah, about five more minutes and I'll open up for questions or comments. Um, so D, you can prepare your remark. Your, uh, your remark. Um, your remark. So, uh, the two words of God. How do we make sense of this? What we sometimes call the law and the gospel. God has one, uh, two words, or maybe one word which comes to us in two forms. His word of law and his word of gospel. The gospel is the promise. The gospel is the word of Christ uh, where faith comes by hearing. Um, this very word of God's promise. How do we make sense of this as we go back and forth? Well, we remember this first and foremost. Who does God love? God loves sinners. If you reckon yourself by the word of the law, and you recognize that I, like the rich young ruler, would walk away sad with all the hubris of, Lord, tell me what I must do in order to inherit eternal life. Well, honor your mom and dad. Um, Don't commit adultery. Don't commit murder. I've done all these things since I was a youth. Well, here's the one thing you like. Um, Sell everything. Give it away. You go away what's going on there it's that word it's that word of the law which uh, told the rich young ruler who he really was that he was holding on to some idea of control that he wanted to tell god how he was going to live his life and the lord saw him he knew who he was talking to he got right in front of him speaking from the first person to the second person familiar he says, i have a word for you rich young ruler do this um, and he knew he couldn't, and so he we went away sad. That's the word that undresses us. But Then we hear that promise, the good news for somebody, even like the rich young ruler. Um, that's the sort of people that I'm eager to meet in heaven. It's like, you're here, I knew it. Because somewhere, he came into the place and he says, Aha, finally, you have the single qualification for me to come before you as the first person to the second person. It says, I am the Lord your God. What's the only thing that qualifies us, the creatures of God? What's the only thing that qualifies us for that relationship? Sin. <laughs> That's the only thing we bring to the table to qualify ourselves to be in a relationship with God. Neither circumcision or uncircumcision, your zip code, your last name, what you've done, the shoes you have, the things that you've done outweigh the merits of the things you don't. Those things which our hearts can't help but produce. We call them idols. Uh, those little penultimate um, uh, uh, small trinkets which we think are a big deal. We're held up in front of the light, the light of God, the one who dwells in unapproachable light, which are unmasked for what they actually are. The good news that's hidden there is, okay, finally, the Lord has broken through, and he lifts our face, and he speaks to us directly, and he says, You, you are the one. You are the one that I love. Behold, my beloved, my child, my son, who was lost, is now found. The one who was dead is now alive. Arise, Lazarus, now come forth. You are the one. My, my chosen uh, son or my chosen daughter who I have adopted and brought very near. You once who were far away. You are the one who is forgiven. I free you. And he speaks to us because we've qualified for that relationship precisely from our sin. Even as it regards our money um, that brings us into that relationship so where does that take us back to the parinesis. do this be generous don't do that follow um etc and so forth we hang on the promise we hold that right here Let's see if i can get through this quickly um you might say ah this giving money away it's just it's too hard it's like well then hear the word of the promise hang on to that behold i am the lord your god um and then if you find your, your heart strangely warmed, like John Wesley did, and you start to ask, okay, so now um, I'm starting to see this faith take root in my heart and sprout. The kernel of wheat has fallen to the ground and it has died, just like Craig's great sermon. You can do nothing with your life, they you can do everything with your death. I've died. I was dead in my trespasses and sin. But God, who is rich in mercy, has placed this faith into my heart and has put me this new heart, And he's the one squeezing it and beating it. And he's brought me into a resurrected life. I'm a new man. I'm a new Adam. What do I do? If you're starting to ask that question, well, there's two, maybe three things to say to that. What do I do? What do I do with my time? What do I do with my money? What do I do with my talents? Oh, yeah, they're not even mine. What do I do with God's money, God's time, God's talents? Then I want to say to you, do you really not know? (laughs) Do you really not know? Is there that much moral ambiguity that now we don't know what it is that we're supposed to do? I think most of the time we do know. We go. We just we go into our offices. We go back to our families. We go uh, into the sidewalks. We go into church. We go wherever we're going as salt and light in the world. And we just go. And we are. And we find ourselves doing the very works which undressed us in the first place. All this, be generous. Be kind, be loving. The works of love become evident. Do we really not know? Well, you might say it this way, the second way. Um, oh, yeah, I forget. I've already been told. The very word which undressed me. Um, for God loves a cheerful giver. Um, be generous. Um, uh, be of, uh, of, of one mind with your enemies. Um, all those things. Oh, yeah. Now that I'm a new creature, a new creation, this faith which justifies me alone, but which is never alone, that's the same word which carries me forth and tells me how my steps are directed. Um, to give money away, to give time away, to give talent away. Um, that 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 God gets his promises in front of sinners, and I might get to be a part of that. And then the third thing um, so the first is do we really not know and then you remember oh yeah I already been told the same word which undressed me and made me know that I qualified for the the, uh, the 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 only thing that that told me that I qualify for a relationship with God was my sin now it's that same word which tells me exactly now I remember what I'm supposed to be doing um, and the third part of all that is a, that's what the Bible calls wisdom that's where we bring As we soak in the Word of God, now we find our faith expressing itself in love. Uh, Wisely, we're as wise as a serpent, but innocent as a dove, and we find ourselves making decisions based upon, um, even if the Bible doesn't say exactly. You know, is this a pre-tax, tithe, or is it post, or what about sort of get? You know those questions really become ridiculous in some ways. It's like, give of time, money, and talent. And you just give. You give generously. You give cheerfully. You give. And it's such a more expanded view. And that's just what the Bible wants to say. That's wisdom. And it's not yours, but it's a gift for all things come from thee, O oh Lord. And of your own, we give you back. So that's where I want to stop. Um, promise putting the sinner in front of the promise putting the promises of god in front of each of us who are sinners um, that god speaks to us from the first person to the second person familiar that his business with us doesn't happen until he speaks to you not just to the general they not to us who are part of a we but when he speaks to you in particular and then he speaks to us in two ways with his word that undresses us and in the word which puts the promise in front of us And that promise, like a kernel of wheat which falls into the ground and dies, takes root, and it blossoms, and it grows. And when it grows, the one thing which brought us to God um, uh, now is never alone, and it's living, and it's active, it's busy, as heat follows fire. So now things follow this faith. It can't not not do it. Um, That's kind of what I wanted to say. Faith expressing itself in love. So D, give you the first crack first, and redundant. Give you the right. first crack and see where you want to go.
1: All right. Well, this is not what I thought, but this is what I've got. Um <laughs> This the is
0: the Son word of God. God.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that, but thank you. Um, I guess what I've got is y'all. To me, this faith thing is is scary. Um. Because, you know, we're begging, I'm begging, I'm praying for freedom. That freedom is is frightening. Because it means that I'm, well, let me tell you what came to mind when I was thinking about that freedom. It was when I was learning how to swim, small child, and hanging on to my dad in the pool for dear life. And him saying, it's going to be okay, you need to let go, and you know what you need to do to get to the other side and I didn't want to and I didn't want to and finally he sort of got me pressed off and the water did hold me up, the water did carry me to the other side, I I could trust what he was telling me, I could trust the reality and that's what that feels like, that Hmm. letting go that frightening letting go but but here's the thing that came to me sitting here when I hear Gil, uh, first thank God For Gil, and second, I wish every day was Sunday. Uh, (laughs) It's it's not. But um, the 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 thing that came to me is, it isn't all about me and this little universe. We've decided, or or it has been decided for us, that we've come together to form this church, this group, this partnership, and and part of the promise we're making. I mean, I know it's a promise to God. I know it's God's. But we've also made a promise to each other, right? And so the pledge we're making is also to each other as children of God, as as, as God's people. Um, So I haven't fully baked that yet, but it's it's taken me in a a little different direction this morning. I mean, certainly it's all God's, but we're here together, and, and part of our pledge is each other and so you know as we head into this stewardship season let's let's think of ourselves as the body of christ let's think of ourselves as as the church what is the church open the doors and here's here we are on the two sides of each other. <laughs> okay. um, so that's that's what's that's great percolating i like right that now. that's not what i brought
0: great for you Dean. thank you we're in good hands this year with Anybody else? Any comments or questions, thoughts? Rebuttals? This is a good time to argue. Let's really get this going. So, Charlie, take them on, so will be good. Okay, let's pray. Lord, um, correct me where I'm wrong. Strengthen your word where you would have it. Um, go forth. Lord, uh, for. Uh, your sake, for the sake of your word, for your gospel. Um, Turn our hearts towards you. Um, Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. See you all soon.